Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 95, countdown five episodes away from 100. Today, we're talking oh video God. games. <laughs> uh, we are talking video games as Tazzy takes in that, <laughs> that bit of information. And I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy. I'm a content creator and co-host and shocked that we are five episodes away from 100. I know, right? Uh, and to help us kick off this, uh, what is now going to be the countdown to 100, um, we have our roundtable episodes. As you know, with our video game roundtables, we, uh, we cast a wide net out into the video game sphere, the worldwide video game sphere. Whoever gets caught in in the net gets drawn in and ends up here on our round table. So uh, today with us is <laughs> Destiny and Matt of the Burnout Brighter podcast. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is the first time you've been on our show. Um, we have spoken before though. So we did a, a interview last year, I'm going to say last yeah. year. For Black yep. History Month. There you go. I knew that happened. So <laughs> we had that conversation. Uh, brand new to the show is Hallie and Levi from The Nerd Alternative. Welcome to you both too. Hey, how's Hello. it going? Hello. Good evening. Yeah, good to have you both. So we've got a big table. It's a big round table. Uh, and everyone's going to be chipping in their views about the current state of video games. And I feel acquisitions are going to be a big theme for tonight. So... Just to let everyone know, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, you can also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Drop them in our Discord or throw them at us on social media. So we are at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram and TikTok, uh, or at Tazzy on everything, because Tazzy has good, consistent branding. Uh, so speaking of branding... Let's get started with what's happening in the Maya Meta universe. We have our latest manga is out. We've mentioned it. It's been out since November. So if you are interested in manga, in stories about the pandemic, you can check out the latest serious story, Serious Through the Fog. We have both standard and collector's editions uh, available. And along the comics theme, I've also started a new series, Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. Uh, you only get one guess as to what that is about. But you can check out the highlights from my first conversation with comic creator and illustrator Rachel Smith. So we're going to be putting a uh, highlights on YouTube. Full video will be up and available to Studio 77 members. And you can always catch us live on Twitch when we do uh, our monthly one-on-one -on -one, uh, interviews. Speaking of live streams and Twitch, we have uh, the Story Club. So you can check out our deep dive into the newly released Psychonauts 2. We had a good chat with Sachin from Gaming the Mind, which is a mental health gaming charity. So you can check out the VOD right now for, uh, I can't remember how many days, but I'm pretty sure uh, on the day this podcast goes out, you can still watch that. And we'll have some highlights on our YouTube channel um, as well. Uh, and then you can also join us for our games night well actually you can't because by the time this goes out um i think we will already done it but you can check out the vod uh, where we will be playing gartic phone with studio 77 members um so every month towards the end of each month uh, we'll be playing a different game 
so just watch us uh, watch us play a different game learn how the game works and uh, play it pretty badly if you are me uh, and you can check out the highlights from uh, past games nights where we've played titles like roblox and fortnite rocket league uh, identity v and Gartic phone because we did try that uh, last year until the internet gremlins uh, got us so uh, we're doing that again and uh, we're doing it i don't think the drawing will be any better this time though um looking a bit ahead we have our spring gamepad online event so that is happening on saturday the 9th of april it will be live on twitch and hosted by tazzy so we'll be bringing together uh, another uh, set of teams from different communities and they'll be playing a uh, relatively friendly competition uh, across three different games. Uh, so you can take part in that and submit your team. You can also check out another round of inter industry interviews uh, and a panel. So I've got uh, an idea for a panel that uh, hopefully we'll be able to announce soon. So the idea for that is to bring you closer to the people who bring us the games that we enjoy uh, and help demystify like the industry and the pathways into it. So the event is free and we'll also be doing a giveaway uh, on our Discord. So get a ticket and join us live. And also we have recently released our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign. So this is our representation campaign promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. So we released it starting with the 40 people who took part in our photo campaign uh, as a way to showcase the diversity that does exist and hopefully inspire young and aspiring professionals uh, to see that there is a place for them uh, in this industry. So the response has been uh, really good. So I've been having some interesting conversations. We are now planning the events part of the campaign. So we're going to be bringing together three different events, a round table talking about different careers in video games for young people and parents or guardians that support those making their way into video games. Uh, we'll be doing a family games design jam and also an ice cream networking event putting it out there, <laughs> uh, putting it out there, making it happen. Um, so we're going to be helping people, I guess, get used to networking because it's very important in any industry, but uh, in games, uh, it's very important. And uh, oftentimes for young people, they don't always have that confidence. So we're hoping with this campaign, we can not only inspire, but also provide opportunities to raise awareness and also develop um, those key skills that you would need as you take your first steps into the industry. So stay tuned for that uh, we're going to be talking about this campaign uh, a lot more hopefully yeah, let's just take it as far as it can go uh, so that's what we have been doing with our time so far before we get into all the gaming news stories let's find out what everyone has been playing so this is the part in the podcast where we like to ask our guests and ourselves, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> what video games they have been playing. Uh, so we will start start with Burnout Brighter podcast guests. I don't know who wants to go first, but what games have you been playing? I can go first. Matt, do you mind if I go first? By all means. Oh, so sweet of you. Okay, yeah, so... that's who I am. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> um, I've been playing uh, Summer in Mara. It's like a really cute indie game. I actually played the demo a while back, and so it was on sale on Switch, and I just pulled my Switch out and blew the dust off of it, so... Um, I went through and bought a lot of uh, games, but that's the one I'm playing right now, which is kind of like an RPG 
fanciful kind of game. You're following this little girl as she's like learning how to protect this magical island that she's on. It, it's super cute. But um, if you guys want to check it out, to any of the listeners, there is a demo on Steam. And if you like it, then totally go purchase it. Awesome. That sounds cute. Yeah, it's super cute. Yeah, and as for myself, uh, I have been neck deep in Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, shout out to PlayStation Canada for sending that code over. I appreciate it very, very much. I'm absolutely loving it. I'm someone who liked but didn't love Zero Dawn. Uh, I thought it was like a really solid first step into, you know, new territory for Gorilla, but there was a lot that kind of left me wanting. Like, I thought like the story was just okay. I thought like the, the side characters were pretty forgettable um, and like the traversal was a little rough, but they've addressed every issue that I had with the original in Forbidden West on top of it being just like probably the most beautiful game I've ever played. Combat's a lot more fluid, like traversal's a lot easier and a lot more fun. Like you can actually climb a lot more compared to the first game. And the story is not at all what I thought it was going to be going into the game. And I'm not going to spoil anything because it's just, it's, there's a couple twists and turns, especially earlier on that like I just really didn't see coming. And I'm, I'm really, really liking it. Um, and we'll have a full review up on the channel once I, once I get through it. But yeah, I've been loving it. That sounds really uh, cool. I've personally only played a little tiny bit of the first one. So I'm trying to make my way through myself, that but... so I can catch yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> the backlog, the backlog. Never ending. <laughs> of course. Um, Hallie, what about you? So I've been playing, uh, I've kind of like just gone back into my indie bag recently. I've been playing a game called Skull the Hero Slayer. So if you like roguelites and if you like 2D side scrollers, you're going to love this game. It feels like kind of a love letter to the genre and to like old school kind of 2D side scrollers. It's gorgeous, firstly. And like the whole kind of, uh, the, the whole shtick of the game is you're like a little kind of scrub uh, skull that's like wandering this world full of heroes and like uh, what would be the good guy in any other game? But you're like kind of trying to defend your land and the demon family like that you kind of have around you. And you find different skulls to kind of put on your head and get new abilities. And it's incredibly difficult, which is kind of jarring against how beautiful the game is. Oh, that also sounds a lot fun. Yeah, it sounds cute with the skulls and everything. Cool artsy stuff. I need to shut that out. <laughs> Jad into the backlog. Yeah, I know. Like it needs. <laughs> Why <laughs> <laughs> would you like to add another game to that backlog <laughs> did you know what i was actually tackling my backlog i was playing final fantasy 7 remake and then mm. february came i've already decided you know i've already added dying light 2 to the backlog already added see-through to the backlog but <laughs> matt i have decided to jump onto horizon forbidden best because i did very much enjoy the game and, and it's funny what Matt was saying. I did think I loved it until literally what he was just saying. And I thought I didn't love it enough to pay the DLC. So, <laughs> but I'm literally about an hour in. I haven't had time. I was burning through Final Fantasy over the weekend so I could. And that was a great game in itself. I don't know if anyone else has played the remake. Uh, I, I have. And I don't think JRPGs are for me. I'm like, I keep trying, man. I keep trying. Well, it's not very, like the remake isn't, it's not the most JRPG JRPG. If you... Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe you just don't like the game. <laughs> yeah, I think there's that too. It's just, it's like, there's, there's a lot of like tropes in JRPGs that just instantly get my like JRPG hackles up. And I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> Did you ever play the original? Uh, no, no, I didn't. Okay. All right. 
they've done something really interesting. I thought it was just going to be a remake, but it's quite interesting how it ended. I'll just say that. They spiced it up a lot, yeah. The thing for like, so I've only played Final Fantasy 15. Okay. <laughs> is that the boy band road trip one? It is. <laughs> it is. It's just so big. That's my issue. I really, when I was playing it, I was really enjoying the storyline. I watched the anime. I watched the movie. <laughs> I was all into it. And that then, was like, a movie. all my days, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love it. Takes place after Final Fantasy VII, like kind of like the aftermath. The movie does. Advent Children. Oh, I thought you yes. were talking about the 15 movie. No, yeah, I'm talking about the 15 movie. Oh, never mind. I thought you were talking yeah. about Advent Children. No, no, no. I'm talking about 15. All the 15 stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really got on there. And then, like, it was just so big that I needed to level up. And then I was like, ah, oh, I don't know where I am now. Because I, like, started playing another game and went back to it. But, uh, that was my Final Fantasy 15 story. <laughs> so I've not played any of the others. That was the point I was making. <laughs> Right, I, I think we've been through all our guests. I, I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. By I've been playing, I mean, I mean, I played it last night because, I mean, anyone that listens to the podcast and knows me is that I'm not very good <laughs> at picking one thing and doing that. So, yeah, after finishing Psychonauts 2, uh, I was like, let me go back and finish Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I finally got past a bit I was super stuck on. So, I'm, it's a really good game. I'm like looking forward to playing more of it again. Nigel. I want to add all these games to my, uh, to my <laughs> list. <laughs> so, giving myself more work. But uh, I am currently working through Psychonauts 2. So I mentioned that we did do the deep dive live stream for our story club last week. The intention was to finish the game. I did watch Tazzy finish the game. So she completed her side <laughs> of, of the agreement. I fell uh, so short. Just, yeah, so short. But uh, I'm still playing it because I really love the game. I love the original when it came out in 2005. And yeah, looking forward to, or have been looking forward to getting into this one. And I think it's just it's just such a it's a, like a just delightful game uh, i feel it's a it's a funny game i feel it's very hard to do comedy in general but for a video game uh, even more so in some ways and the the fact that it tackles like mental health topics in such a way that blends so nicely with the mechanics and the design uh, of the game it just allows you to sort of engage with those subjects as well in a in a way that's not too not overbearing so yeah i'm just just really enjoying it so i'm I'm making my way through that i I do want to play horizon forbidden west i do have to finish horizon zero dawn because i'm (laughs) late to the party as is my thing if anyone has listened to this podcast uh, for long (laughs) enough will know but what i will say because i've been just hearing some of the uh the chatter and the talk around it and uh, an interesting thread of people saying not necessarily in a negative way but the idea that this is more of the same but a bit better in terms of like uh, matt mentioned they're they're addressing issues from the first game Uh, and just it's weird for me to hear that being talked about not that matt said this but just elsewhere where i've heard it being talked about in a kind of slightly negative way like i i always feel with video games you kind of want that iteration where when something new comes out you you do it and it it you know by all, all I've heard it's it's a really good game, and then you mm-hmm. build on it, 
And that's, I feel that's a good thing rather than, because sometimes in games we get lost in that everything has to be brand new, but we always remember that games are like a, also a technical thing. And sometimes mm. with technology, you just want to build off what you established before and then kind of make that progress. So I just want to put that out there for a game that I have not yet uh, got to. <laughs> to yeah, degree. I agree. I think that's really fair. I think like I only just got to Zero Dawn at like the beginning of January. Uh, I tried to play it back when it originally came out, but the Breath of the Wild and Zero Dawn playing both uh, at the same time yes. like broke my brain, especially because <laughs> how much more free Breath of the Wild was in comparison. But yeah, I've seen people saying the same thing. And for me, it's kind of like the jump from Uncharted 1 to Uncharted 2. Like it, it like this is the like Forbidden West really feels like that the most because it does really just take everything that they did with Zero Dawn and build upon it. While they do add a bunch of new stuff and they do they do make it a worthy sequel, I can understand people saying, you know, it is just more of the same, but I don't think that's entirely fair because like I said, they've they've really taken everything from the original and made it better and then added a lot more onto it, which is kind of what I I guess you would want out of a sequel. Like I wouldn't want drastic changes if I'm playing the next entry for a franchise I love. But yeah yeah mm. a game should grow like it should it should grow not just like mm. imagine that just it's a different game if it's too different right like it's a sequel exactly. not, a, <laughs> not a new game <laughs> is it a sequel or is it just like another story happening within that universe no it's a it's a direct continuation yeah oh well then yeah i don't understand um their problem <laughs> i mean like i haven't seen a lot of gameplay from it but I'm just going to say the reason why I want to play it is because the way that they've rendered out the people of color in that game is so beautiful. Like mm -hmm. I keep seeing screenshots and I'm like, I have to support them because these are like some of the most realistic, beautiful black people I have ever seen in a video game, like from mm -hmm. hair texture to like skin texture and like um, even hyperpigmentation on their skin. I mean, it's it's incredible. So that's why I'm going to support it. I don't know anything about the world or, or the <laughs> gameplay, but I want it for that. For soul. That is a good reason. <laughs> for the culture. Yeah. <laughs> Need more of that. There's, there's like a lot of games where like the sequels try and like reinvent the wheel. And like if there's not a story reason for me, I feel like it's it like it it loses a lot of like the the joy from the first game that you're trying to port over to the next one, right? Like mm. um, the Mass Effect games, I know like a lot of people like super love them, but like the differences in mechanics between one, two, and three felt quite jarring because like I played them all like a crazy person, <laughs> like always, mm. like uh, I did too, back to back to back, and like if you have like years and kind of distance, you can kind of go, ah, okay, cool. But like, if you're doing it all like very, very cl like close together, it kind of you lose that muscle memory, and you lose. Um, it feels like you're you're not like respecting the skills that you kind of accrued along the way with your character, especially if you're carrying that character over. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, I got like a weird thing when I played the uh, the Master Chief Collection for mm. Halo because, especially because like. They've all they've all been like remade in different order, so it's really weird going through the mechanics and like the graphics as well. Like it's, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> and you're like one, and then two's not. I can't remember which is one's not a remaster. I think two's not a remaster. Or three, I don't know. You go to three, and it's just really weird. <laughs> it's so weird, and like the controls are just like every time. I'm like, wait. 
which one's what again? I just have to like set up my controls to see me. It's <laughs> otherwise too confusing. I'm like, can I sprint? Can't I sprint? I don't know what's going on. It's like there's usable abilities. There's not usable <laughs> abilities. Like, <laughs> yeah. Should we should we get into like the the main the main discussion and talk more video games? <laughs> let's do it so yeah what we're here for to talk about the big video game topics that have been going around uh, and also checking on the state of this generation of consoles uh, and i think we may as well just start at the top the big news in video games acquisitions and none bigger than microsoft acquiring or at least starting the process of acquiring activision blizzard for a mere 68.7 billion dollars just a little change you said a mere yeah a wee bit yeah well i just found it there i was like yeah it's It's a pocket change (laughs) 100 billions lying around no big deal i mean for microsoft that is just like 68 dollars like they're they're cool (laughs) (laughs) so we had this and i think microsoft did us the kind decency of doing this before our gamepad report recording so tazzy and i got to talk about this at the beginning of the year Uh, we've had time to digest more things have happening have been happening that we're going to get to but we'll start with uh yeah this one so so microsoft acquiring activision blizzard who are the creators of call of duty warcraft candy crush through their acquisition of king um tony hawk diablo overwatch spyro heartstone guitar hero crash bandicoot which kind of hurts uh, as a playstation <laughs> um starcraft and more are all coming under the xbox umbrella so from uh the verge at the time uh, said that Microsoft is acquiring Activision, the travel publisher of all the games I mentioned. The deal will value Activision at $68.7 billion, which is in excess of the $26 billion um, Microsoft paid to acquire LinkedIn, which is previously their biggest acquisition in 2016. So clearly it's a big push into gaming uh, and a company uh, said at the time it will be the third largest gaming company by revenue behind Tencent and Sony once the deal closes uh, and uh, I think it's scheduled to close by the end of the fiscal uh, year which is middle of 2023 because Activision are a public company is different than the deal for Bethesda which could all be done fairly quickly so I mean, let's dig into this. And the question that we've been uh, asking over the past month is kind of, what does this mean? <laughs> is this a good thing for for Xbox? I guess yes, but for video game industry uh, as a whole, what do people think? Um, I'm going to chuck this over to Burnout Writer first and see what <laughs> see what the thoughts are <laughs> over there. I think this is both good and bad. I don't know generally how I feel about this like mass consolidation of the industry as as a whole. Like we're kind of seeing a more and more of a trend towards content rather than, you know, having these physical boxes, which I don't think is a bad thing because accessibility and just letting people access the games in whatever way they can. I think that's a great part of it. But, you know, if we're only going to have two or three or four big publishers doing their thing and that's all we're really going to have, then I kind of a little bit worried that that might stifle creativity down the line. But I do think that this positions and, and I hope that, you know, Xbox knows what they're doing with this, especially given everything that's been happening with Activision Blizzard and their absolute culture of 
not handling about anything well. So I'm, I'm hoping that Microsoft and Xbox, and I mean, Phil Spencer's a smart guy. I don't think he'd be going in this direction if he didn't have a plan to, you know, make that place a better place to work for everyone involved. So I don't, I don't know. I'm split on this because like, well, I understand that, you know, this guy, like I said, this mass consolidation can kind of go one of two ways. And right now they're being very like, yeah, we're going to let everyone play together. Like we're keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation. Nothing's really going to change. But like that's under current current leadership. Anything can happen five, seven, ten years down the line if leadership changes. And they say, you know what? No, we're going to make all this exclusive now and lock things down. I don't know. I, I think that we're going to see the industry shift a lot over the next five years as more of these acquisitions come. Because apparently this isn't even the, the first major one that's coming this year with a lot of those insiders talking about stuff. So while I think there's good here, I also think that there's reason to be nervous. I, but I, I hope that this does go in a positive direction overall. Um, I guess to piggyback off of Matt, I, I kind of feel the same way. Whenever something's moving towards what looks like a monopoly, I'm always worried because monopolies are never good. But I think one of the good things about it, which I'm not sure if a lot of people are like talking about, is the fact that gaming is is kind of new. And this means that, you know, people at the top are really taking a serious look at just how prevalent gaming is in the industry in in our society so i think it's a it's a good thing because that means that we're gamers and like developers or i feel like we're moving in the direction to where like people who go to movies all the time for entertainment are going to start like seeing how important games are as well um in different aspects and as matt said before um we don't know what's going to happen five or ten years down the line they may they may change things but that's just something we're going to have to to wait and see. But like I said, anytime something is like moving towards what looks like a monopoly, I think that's a reason for all of us to kind of worry. I do think like it will kind of shut down on creativity. But then again, it might be like a boon for indie developers. Mm -hmm. I don't like the fact that like everything's going digital. I Maybe I'm just like old school. I really like having <laughs> like a physical copy so I can play it whenever I want to, whenever I feel like it. I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So for that, I'm not too hyped about. Uh, I love Steam. I have so many games on my backlog in Steam, which is great. But if something ever happened to Steam, then like all those games are gone. And all, and all that money has gone. But like if you have a physical copy, like if you lose it, that's on you. But you know what I mean? Like if you just have it in, you can just pop in the cartridge or the CD. Like that's great. And I kind of hope that they don't get rid of that completely. But it, it, it looks like that's where it's going. So I really hope they don't get rid of physical games completely. Like I buy the ones I really, really love. Exactly. Exactly. So that I can play them anytime, but also like having Game Pass is great because it's like, oh, I'm not quite sure about this game. Me, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> let me give it a go. <laughs> but like the ones that you play like once in a while really don't need to be taken up physical space. I would love for them to do like way, way back in the day, you used to get like magazines and stuff in the mail, which would have like a demo CD in it. I am oh, definitely yes. dating myself when I say that. You might have to explain magazines and mail. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> some people might not even know what a disc is at this point so <laughs> you play like a, a harp like just like a right? just gonna go back in time but i think it would be awesome if i know steam does this and they sell full games but if somebody were who was like really computer savvy were to just set up a site where you could go demo all the new games and then go out and buy the physical copy if you wanted it like i think that would be 
so cool. And it mm-hmm. would it would just be a site set up for demoing the newest games, right? But um, I think that'd be the best of both worlds. It has nothing to do with what we were talking about. I just went on a tangent, but yeah, I'm love done. it. Great <laughs> tangent. We're here to talk about games, and it's still games. So, <laughs> I mean, what what's the um, where do the nerd alternative fall on on this acquisition? I mean. I feel like this is kind of just in Microsoft's nature. They they kind of, this is how they behave. I'm sure they tried to purchase uh, Nintendo years back once upon a time. What I don't really, what, what kind of does worry me or like why I'm not really interested is it doesn't, it, it kind of shows a lack of creativity. I mean, I feel like Microsoft just want to be able to pocket some change. It does feel like it's a, like a baseline financial um, move, if you get what I'm saying. You know, they're, they're saying that they're going to keep things like warzone and, and and things on multiple platforms for now anyway and that's another thing if we talk about uh, mr jim ryan on sony side a lot of the times these um these spokespersons do like to say things for now and they change you know i mean literally playstation's whole rollout ps5 has kind of not happened how it was supposed to yeah we believe in generations and then yeah we saw yeah. How, how that went <laughs> So, so, but then I guess just the fact that we, they are kind of not trying to hoard IPs and things like that for the time being, I guess we can only really wait and see, to be honest with you. I mean, like, like, we, like everyone's kind of mentioned earlier with Activision, they're not really in the kind of best position right now with all their allegations and things going on. And, and even Call of Duty outside of Warzone, I mean, how hot is it really? Like the yearly releases, it kind of felt like a inevitability especially on that side they can't really release games yearly and sustain warzone as much as they do and we know microsoft comes knocking um with uh knocking with a big a uh, big pile of cash so yeah, big water i cash. mean I, funny I, talks I, I, yeah. <laughs> or in this case shouts, shouts yeah. <laughs> uh, i definitely feel like the monopoly thing and i think um like tazzy and i mentioned that like microsoft were did make sure they mentioned that they are third largest in revenue so not number one <laughs> so and and i think because we're talking microsoft here they they are no strangers to like antitrust uh regulation and mm-hmm. being on the outside of that and i think they are playing this with a mind to everything they're saying is with a mind to someone is going to have to basically check this um this deal um i don't think it will be a problem and um i had a note here from pc gamer or andy chalk who says the absorption of Activision Blizzard will unquestionably turn Microsoft into a games industry behemoth, but the general consensus right now, it is unlikely to trigger antitrust action because it's a vertical transaction. So a larger company purchasing a smaller one that performs essentially a different function. So Activision Blizzard with revenues in excess of 8 billion in 2020 is certainly a major video game publisher, but is dwarfed by Microsoft which posted more than 143 billion in revenues over the same period. So Microsoft are are huge. And this isn't like something where I don't know, like Facebook buying Instagram and then WhatsApp in terms of potential competitors in other in other areas. That is a more questionable uh, deal that I'm not sure should have should have gone through the way it did. But I think this will will go through. What's interesting to me though is because we all I, I feel we've all said and definitely heard the the thing about like video games being you know a, the big one of the biggest entertainment industries bigger than uh music and film combined which is true 
but then this is what comes with it and <laughs> is is my kind of feeling where you're now talking about like major like big business microsoft are like a trillion dollar uh, market cap company and they're seeing games as a as a growth area hence the massive investment and then mm. in terms of like the the overall strategy where i feel they are because one of the things that you know people were questioning is whether everything will be made uh, exclusive and that could definitely still happen uh, i feel the way microsoft as a company are are playing their 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 strategy is that it's about like services so even you know microsoft being the windows guys um windows used to be a box product it's now you know windows office is more of a service and i feel the the current ceo um satya nadella is someone who is of a mind of like services cloud and how do we benefit that so in terms of gaming that means game pass so all this makes game pass a really attractive uh, offer i don't know i know tazzy has game pass does anyone else have yeah, I do too. Yeah, I do. Oh. Okay, so I guess that just makes that what was already a pretty good deal uh, even better. I guess my question there is like, how much are you willing to pay for that? Because I'm I'm pretty sure at some point that's going to go up. It's definitely going to take a hike. Yeah. Um, can Can I talk on this before we we jump yeah. over to something else? Um, the the think this deal in particular that's kind of like it, it it's not changed my feeling on Activision Blizzard at all. Um, and it's kind of a confusing price proposition, like that they've bought Activision Blizzard for all this money when a lot of their products, uh, a lot of their games aren't performing as well as they've been doing. They're they're taking a loss in Call of Duty. They're taking a loss in pretty much everything that's coming out of Blizzard as well. What, what's kind of worried me the most is how do they transform this company into a profitable one? Because uh, WoW is was like the like when people think blizzard they think wow but wow is losing like uh concurrent users as well but i think it's I've, um actually another podcast pointed this out and i'd have to like actually like google the numbers but when they're like oh like users are declining and the the profits are declining there's it's still big money course, um, <laughs> and then also it's like considering that king uh candy crush uh i feel like the whole company can probably just ride out on that. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the phone, the phone games are like billion-dollar industries. Like they, they make insane amounts of revenue. But do Microsoft look at Activision and see King and say, "This is what we focus on"? Is, is that like the future that we're going to kind of get from that? That's the that's my main kind of work with with this deal. If I they, think mobile gaming will be a bigger part of the future. Oh, yeah. And I think as well, because if you look at like what Game Pass is doing, it's just having more variety. Like these games are going to be on Game Pass. There's going to be benefits on Game Pass. So like for them, it's a case of, well, the more that is on Game Pass, the the higher we can charge the price. So the focus, Mm. they don't really need to focus on anything in particular. Well, that and like, they also just want Game Pass in as many places as possible, right? I mean, yeah. like you, you have it, you have it on your Xbox consoles. You had they even like retroactively made streaming work on the older generation, so that way you know with the with the yeah. One X, so that way you can still stream to them and still play, you know, the yeah, newer like games regardless. Yeah, like, you can literally you play off your, your phone. Exactly, you, you can literally <laughs> play off your phone, right? So I mean, Game Pass as an incentive is is massive, and if they just they put continue, on PlayStation, if they could. They would, and I was just about to ask that. I feel like part of that acquisition is like 
trying like giving them more leverage to hit playstation up like are you sure like cool g players we're gonna we're gonna take it unless you keep unless you take game pass then call the duty is not gonna be on playstation <laughs> well that and like it's just them saying like hey yeah you can play call of duty on playstation for 79.99 yeah. or however much it is or you can play it on game pass for absolutely free right like it's so yeah it's such like an easy proposition to to sell and to send over mm-hmm. um and like i'm telling you like i think for me it's gonna hit nintendo within the next few years like i i, I just see like especially if they don't bring the switch up to snuff because especially like working with third parties because like we've seen some wizardry done on that console before but like the gap is just getting wider and i mean for them to have they're already playing with like the streaming technology they're already doing that stuff so for them to just kind of say hey, it's going to be on Nintendo, and hey, we would love to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, just on Game Pass on PlayStation, right? Like, there's so much subtext <laughs> going on here that, like, yeah. it's it's an interesting way that they're phrasing everything right now, because more and more, like, Game Pass will become the focus over producing more units of whatever the, this, this system is, the next system is going to be. They're just going to want it everywhere. Yeah. yeah, especially with like difficulties that have happened this at the beginning of this generation with actually producing uh, systems. I feel like that's probably made Microsoft think more about their business plan being like, okay, yeah, let's let's focus even more on it now. We've seen that it can survive if we focus on this. Maybe I'm the odd man out, but I don't really think Nintendo cares. They like don't. what Microsoft is doing. <laughs> I don't think they care at no, all. No, they don't. Yeah. They've not been caring since they yeah. started. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're like, uh, we'll do what we want to do. Mm. And that's what they've been doing. Like, And I think even if Microsoft were to be like, hey, we'd like to put it on, you know, Nintendo would be like, yeah, yeah, no, we have Pokemon and Super Mario. We're good. Because they, they really are. They're really like, We have survived. Yeah. <laughs> we've been for all. We've been here the longest. That's like. right. We're the OG. Don't come to us. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone seen like the, the, graf- like, the graphical fidelity in Pokemon Legends Ar- Arceus? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to Nintendo. We're definitely gonna get to Nintendo. So at least the PS1 right. game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of because we talked about like Call of Duty and its relationship with PlayStation being well, I guess not threatened because Microsoft have said uh, they've released well, they released a few statements, and I think they've said in their words, to be clear, Microsoft will continue to make Call of Duty and other popular Activision Blizzard titles available on PlayStation through the term of any existing agreement with Activision. That is that lawyer speak right there. And we have committed to Sony that we will also make them available on PlayStation beyond the existing agreement and into the future so that Sony fans can continue to enjoy the games they love. And it's something a bit, ah, I don't know, it's something a bit like Godfatherish about that statement. <laughs> Basically, what they're saying is like, if you're playing as an Xbox user, in whether that's Game Pass Xbox user, but like at any capacity of the Xbox user, you will get a better version. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's always going to be better over here. And, but I think the, the other thing with that whole like Call of Duty thing is, um, and a lot of the games that are under Activision, but blizzard oh they do really well in microtransactions so microsoft still make money <laughs> yeah i think as long as they're making money that's i think as long as they're making money they're not going to do anything to disrupt that flow so exactly. it, make, it makes sense that they're like yeah we'll keep doing it on there as long as you keep paying you know so 
that's kind of <laughs> yeah. a problem, like with with the way that Activision is and the way that Activision kind of does business like at the detriment mm-hmm. to their staff and because yeah. they make so much money like there is no incentive for them to change like that is that is my uh, kind of issue with the with the with the games pass uh, with Microsoft like buying them if nothing changes. So that's a good point because I think that is obviously on the, on the backdrop of Activision being a subject of a lawsuit by the state of California over their yeah. um, their practices. So, and I think for for me that uh, I think because Tazzy this story was broken to me by Tazzy, so that I heard this first from Tazzy, and my one of my first thoughts was um, Bobby Kotick. He's at some point he's going to go. So I think he's he's still there as of recording and my from what i understand of deals like this he'll stay there until the deal closes because he is the the ceo and uh yeah you you keep things the same until some period after the deal closes but from microsoft's perspective they not to say like microsoft are a perfect company but in terms of like all the stuff there i i see them clearing that up just they they won't have that yeah yeah, absolutely. In with like their practices, like everything yeah. internally will be like this is how things are done. Yeah, and it will. It, I th- I think it will change. I don't think that like a company like Microsoft have their like values, their sort of like mission in everything they do, mm. and like you can't just because you're just because you're Activision Blizzard, what you think you can. <laughs> Yeah. You can do things differently. <laughs> Microsoft is the kind of company that's supposed to that tries to appeal to everybody, whereas in Activision Blizzard we're we're only really appealing to like at first to male gamers. Right. Yeah, so they really kind of that, like boys club thing going exactly. on. Exactly. But Microsoft yeah, like, is not like that. <laughs> I mean, you have like moms buying their products, you have grandmothers, you have like everybody's like buying Microsoft products. So in order to keep that kind of familiarity or like um that good vibe going yeah accessibility uh they're definitely gonna have to clean house and they're gonna want to like smush that before like exactly mainstream get get into gaming right (laughs) it was also baby like they're gonna want to like away from that whole dilemma as quickly as possible they just dropped 68 billion (laughs) they're they're definitely or million i can't remember which one it's too much money for me in my scope (laughs) yes um they're definitely gonna do something about it yeah that and they've been been building so much goodwill ever since they kind of stumbled out of the gate last generation, like between, you know, the work that they've been doing with backwards compatibility and game pass and everything else. Like they've been building so much goodwill amongst, you know, the gamers that like for them to kind of now step into this and say, yeah, we're not going to do anything. Nothing's going to change. It's just going to like, they're just going to shoot themselves in the foot horribly. So like, like Bobby Kotick is going to get a massive golden parachute and he's going to sail yeah, his way out. The shame and like, yeah. that's, that's, that's the worst part of it. And like, I really do hope that that entire board that backed him and we're saying, it's like, Oh no, we trust in Bobby. Like, I hope, I hope Microsoft goes in and cleans house. Mm-hmm. And like, regard well, while it is unfortunate that they're going to probably walk away with massive paydays, the hope would be that like, this wouldn't be a lasting problem going forward, right? Like, hopefully, this mm. brings a new, you know, a new corporate yeah. culture to them, and one that is about inclusivity and is about treating your coworkers and you know everybody that works with you with respect. Because, like, I just can't see Phil Spencer and the rest of the team there not already having a plan in place. And like, they're going to say whatever they need to say right now to look nice. Because again, like, the deal hasn't even gone through yet. They're going to have they have to, to f- follow like legal. 
exactly so. <laughs> yeah so like they're they're going to like there's things that they're not saying that i'm sure that they have plans for that they just can't say yet because of all the legal loopholes that they have to go through now so i feel like we're going to see a lot change um what was it like J- july 2023 when this deal eventually goes through i feel like that's when we're going to see things shaken up a lot i i think this is going to go kind of go quiet until then yeah like literally all the statements we're hearing now are like pre-acquisition like once yeah, it yeah. actually he's, he's, goes through <laughs> there's so there's, yeah there's so many like microsoft really have to be clever and the way they navigate all their statements and everything they've got to be so clever <laughs> mm. and political about it like they need their statements to be clean yeah and not mess up the system and then like once that's through it's like okay like we don't have to worry now we're not under like (laughs) scrutiny anymore um let's do what we need to do and i think they probably have an amazing game plan because activision got sued a while ago like these issues with like california going in and telling them to clean up their act happened a few years ago so i'm pretty sure microsoft is aware of that like going in, like we've all said. So I I have no doubts that they're going to come out of this looking as pristine as possible. And considering that the the call to the call <laughs> to make this acquisition happened three days after um, yeah. Bobby Kotick's report that like they were like waiting. They were just there. They're like, okay, now is the time. <laughs> They're weak. Attack the weak spot. That's that. Uh, is it like the eagle that just like uh, that just falls wait for the moment yeah. and just like <laughs> it just comes in? Yep, this is it. We got it. So yeah, like a real game hero. Yeah, <laughs> I'm quite excited to talk about Sony's acquisition because I feel like Xbox have a lot of limelight. Yeah, they had a big acquisition, but. Yeah, the Sony one, I think, is way more interesting. In let's terms. talk about the Sony quote-unquote response. Um, although the first thing I say is like, because again, uh, the internet, social media, see people seeing Sony's acquisition of Bungie, the developer of Destiny and original creator of Halo, as a response to microsoft's purchase of activision blizzard like these deals don't work like this it's not like going to the shop and just, <laughs> just picking something off the off the aisle and just like oh yeah let's just get that these take like this this stuff takes a long time so this is not like a you don't just drop these kind of billions in a few weeks after you see someone do the same thing it doesn't work like that i think it's a reaction to microsoft's larger strategy of acquiring development talent over like years and just the the timing is just what it is but sony few weeks um, after uh, january was a crazy month for uh, for acquisitions but shortly after the acquisition announcement of activision blizzard by microsoft there was news that sony is purchasing bungie which is just yeah it's just a crazy kind of thing for i feel i feel i'm gonna now accurately use this word a mere three point six billion (laughs) (laughs) in comparison to the 68 i feel that's an accurate use of that word in this context so you know just dropping a few billion to get bungie which is interesting because bungie were they because they were independent having previously left microsoft and it seemed they wanted to stay independent but now this is why it's so interesting because it's yeah it's so funny because it's like uh bungie create 
Taylor for Xbox. Yes, <laughs> that make, yeah, yeah. You take, make, who will take Halo? <laughs> then make Destiny and team up and then team up with Activision Blizzard and yes, then yes. get rid of that, uh, which yeah. then Microsoft requires, and then Sony pick them up. This is just like like you couldn't make this up. It's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool for a company to be able to go in and be like, I'm going to create this for you. And then once we're done creating this game and working on this, like we're free from our contract, we could go work with any other AAA company because we're the we're just that good. We're that good mm. at producing games. And that's kind of what I feel like is happening from when they jump from one to one, because I honestly think in the future, if they wanted to, they could go back to Xbox and create something else for Xbox because they're just that good at what they do. Yeah, when you get to that point, you can just decide your own fate to a certain extent. Have you guys read much about the, the deal? Like um, Bungie are apparently keeping autonomy in their creative yes, process. I it, have. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to say, I'm kind of happy about it and I'm kind of not. Because like, I, I like Destiny 2 insofar as mechanically it's a phenomenal game. But it has like a lot of really bad practices, like really bad kind of anti-consumer practices in the way that the uh, like the pricing model is and the way that like they remove content that people have paid for. Mm-hmm. That will never come back kind of thing. It's it, There's a lot of like little things in there where I'm, I hope with Sony or with like a big company behind them, they can make a game that can kind of be sustained more organically and more kind of holistically for consumers. Also for me, I'm like, okay, Bungie have a lot of good ingredients for stories, but mm. they don't always put them together in the right way. Mm. And Sony is notoriously good at story. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, just give them give them some <laughs> some help in the department. <laughs> yeah, I, I really think like Sony's kind of looking at as Bungie for like because like, like you guys mentioned already, like Destiny will continue to be multi-platform going forward, at least the way that we know it now. Like, does that mean a new IP out of Bungie wouldn't be PlayStation exclusive? Like, that's like an interesting question for me. But like, we've also heard reports that they're talking, you know, Jim Ryan was talking about that they have something like 10 live service games in development yeah. that they yes. want to put out between now and 2025. And like PlayStation doesn't really have anything live service underneath their roster. And I mean, like Bungie, regardless of like, how they approach it, they have proven to be successful in one shape or the other. So like they're really bringing them in, I think, for that kind of technical know-how and kind of, build, you know, those building blocks yeah. that they've already brought mm-hmm. on top of I just totally. blowing Destiny out and making it like a whole multimedia franchise. Like I'm sure we're going to see a movie or a show yeah, or sure. an right. anime Absolutely. or whatever else yeah. in the next few years. So they like, have already said that they're going to, that they are working on. Exactly. Uh, so, like, but it has to be about Code Six. I swear. Sorry, I just have to go. Through. <laughs> <laughs> if there is not like a, a, a Code Six focused show, <laughs> I am gonna riot. <laughs> yeah. So like, and that's exactly it, right? Like the Destiny community and a lot of the people that play that game are super passionate about the property. So, I mean, like, for them to come in and yeah, be like, okay, yes, you can keep your autonomy, but. They are. St- I'm. I'm sure they're still going to work pretty closely with the rest of PlayStation Studios. I agree. And whether we see anything exclusive out of them in the future or not, whether that is Destiny Three or whatever else, I think is also going to depend on Xbox in the next few years. If they turn around and say, "Okay, Warzone is going to stay multi-platform," but you know, the next Call of Duty twenty Call of Duty twenty twenty six is going to be now exclusive to Xbox, then I wouldn't be surprised if we see some sort of shift, and then maybe Destiny Three or whatever else that follows might end up being exclusive. Like 
it, yeah. it's, it's like the industry is now being set up in this weird like domino shape where it's like it's as soon race. as one thing one thing drops as soon as one thing goes exclusive as soon as one thing changes we're gonna see things change very quickly yeah. but like they're definitely bringing them in now to get those what, whatever those 10 live service games on they're planning uh, and they're working on I'm, I'm sure they're bringing in to, for the technical know-how there as well yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this this still seems i think i hit the nail on the, the head there it is very much more a, a transactional deal here um you know like sony gets the expertise the software all the ai that that kind of bungie has developed in, in terms of making a good live service game and then bungie kind of get to like expand their their media i mean uh, uncharted's coming out isn't it and there's a mm-hmm. ghost of tsushima film all, all these different ways that sony kind of like I feel like they're definitely moving in that multimedia kind of direction. And I think that's what they're both definitely getting from each other in terms of this deal here. Which is interesting as well, because if we think about Sony really need a response to Game Pass, and obviously there's a rumor that that's coming, and then that Sony does have this multimedia, it's going to be like, is this going to mean that Sony's response to Game Pass is like a media pass? with films and stuff and then what i also realized is that sony own Crunchyroll, so they could tie yeah. that nicely into a package in. mm-hmm. so I, I do think like because again social media i should stop uh, looking at social media for reactions but um it, it's just sometimes <laughs> it's just funny so to fun. see people it is fun it's frustrating it's all it's all things but just seeing people go immediately to destiny and being like destiny with a y not uh e, um going to there and then saying <laughs> no, they're like, all coming oh, to me yeah, all, cool. yeah. um and just saying oh sony paid this for destiny question mark question mark and just it's not about destiny i mean like matt like i feel again you hit the nail on the head in terms of what they can do with that property but when you mentioned like the plan to re- uh, release multiple live service games is about the talent and looking ahead like understand that for people like listening and looking at these deals like we as individuals look at them and you know on a i don't know tuesday when it when it whatever the day the news dropped you say oh this happened these companies are looking years into the future like whatever whatever you're seeing now it's been years in the making so it's always like with a view of how the industry is going to be shaped and that's what's interesting about both of these um these major deals because it is going towards that games as a service and how can you get the the content um in preparation because i think although at time of recording playstation haven't announced anything maybe as soon as we finish recording uh, they, they'll finally drop some news on this nature. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah on this uh, game pass um competitor but i i think that's something that is just a must for them i feel we've said it on a previous uh, roundtable episode where you can't have like as a competitor you can't have microsoft have this what is a really good deal in gaming and having people pay 60 pounds $70, whatever the conversion is um, for everyone else, pay that and then just everyone's getting this great deal. There's only so long you can allow that to happen before you start to look bad, even if you are releasing like just elite level quality single player narrative games, just the market is is changing. So I think this is this alongside Sony also releasing more of their first party titles on PC, even maybe years later, but still on PC, just how do you reach more people? Uh, and I think mm-hmm. this is a deal that goes to that kind of strategy looking ahead beyond Destiny or even Destiny 3 or whatever, just other games and other games as a service. I agree. And I think you guys touched on like them being multimedia. Sony has always been known to like make movies. 
and this this may just be me but i feel like all the comic movies we that they've been coming out with like just across the board are kind of slowing down and this is kind of like the next step in like a big push for theatrical movies is to base it off of video games and they're really setting themselves up to do this mm-hmm. and which is smart to me like if i think about it that way cuz they're never going to be able to compete with microsoft in gaming in the same kind of capacity but when it comes to movies and and making movies off of the things that they have like franchises of already or own the IPs off of, I think we're going to see a lot more of that uh, moving forward. So this was probably like a really smart move on their part. They didn't spend sixty eight billion; they spent three billion, and they're probably going to make triple that back just from mm-hmm. movies and and games combined. Mm-hmm. And I would agree. I think as well, like, because um, Nigel mentioned about like people maybe not understanding like how this all goes down. Like, definitely look into like the history of video games and all the different acquisitions that have happened in the past and like the divisions that have happened in the past. Like, it's so fascinating. You start to get more of an understanding of why certain things happen and also like how much when a company starts. They come up with what they want to do and pretty much stick to it. Mm. <laughs> um, they have this idea. So for um, PlayStation, I think it was just having a, a console, but they had this idea that it should be like a DVD player. So their thing is always going to be tied into theatricals. Microsoft, when they decided they wanted to get into gaming, was about having, they wanted to be in the living room, like they had devices in other, like they they were known for having computer, like being software on computers, they were like, how do we get into people's living rooms? So gaming was born for them. (laughs) And then Nintendo uh, very much is about high quality uh, and getting things right straight away. Um, (laughs) But all these companies very much stick to that the, the same ethos. So like Microsoft, they're just trying to get in front of you. And before yeah. it was a living room, now it's everywhere you go. <laughs> but essentially it's the same thing. We want to get into where you are and that like is in your hand at all times. Again, PlayStation is uh, theatricals. They're doing that. And Nintendo is like that playful, fun. We're actually a toy brand that got into video games. Mm. yeah i think nigel nailed it as well with like the you know talking about how playstation was pretty much like forced into a corner now with game pass like they had to respond with how much of the conversation is like year round game pass is awesome look what's coming to game pass this month i cannot believe (laughs) that this new game is coming to game pass right and like playstation like one when they have these massive you know tentpole franchises that they put out like i mean horizon just came out and if you look on twitter that's pretty much anybody anyone is talking about but it's it that that time will end right a couple weeks from now nobody's going to be really Mm -hmm. talking about forbidden west in the same way that people are talking about it right now just because people will finish the game people will put it down and then the next big thing comes along but with game pass that conversation is continuous all year round right there's updates every few weeks there's new games coming constantly games that people haven't tried yet and are excited about oh it's on game pass now oh my gosh i'm so excited to play this so that conversation keeps happening and like i'm really curious to see how playstation is going to respond now because like there's no way they're going to put their first party 
titles like day and no. date on, on that service. There's just, yeah. just no like it's yeah. at least not a start. When they want to charge like 80 quid for, for a new game. Exactly. So like I just I'm so curious to see how this thing is actually going to look because while I think backwards comp- compatibility will kind of be like the major draw towards this and like maybe we will get Horizon like you know like the Disney Plus style like three months after the game comes out it'll be on the you know be on the service but like I really hope that PlayStation comes out swinging with this thing because they need to be to be part of the conversation yeah again like in, in the same capacity the game passes but like I really hope that they don't come out with this like pieced together online platform where they're going to charge you more for less and they're going to try and be like look how cool this is but I, I'm just really curious to see how that what that platform is actually going to look like once we find out more about it they should buy steam no (laughs) i'm just saying like if they wanted like access like that if they wanted to compete with like game pass like steam would be the next step in my opinion that would definitely give them a very big monopoly yes (laughs) humongous monopoly it'd be interesting though um because about like Bungie having the experience in like games like the like a service game that that is definitely going to be a factor in the future for for playstation's competition and whether that will be involved but also does anyone remember like playstation's what was it like the no not the playroom i don't know back on the ps3 was it playstation home back on the ps3 and you had like your little avatar yeah yeah, playstation home yeah yeah i wonder if they're gonna create something like that Yeah, I mean, well, everyone's I guess, trying to be the next the metaverse, metaverse yeah, so yeah. and then like you're in there, and they've just like obviously they've got VR as well, so you could have it in VR, and then you go into these different games as a, as a service. This is totally my like Ready Player One <laughs> yeah. love brain happening right now, but that is something that they could someone like i can't be the only one that's had that idea if i am then someone should hire me but (laughs) (laughs) out of spite against zuckerberg i would pick up a ps5 (laughs) (laughs) we're going to this metaverse meta (laughs) any yeah anyone want to create that (laughs) to compete with facebook's version i will give you my money it's not it is interesting to See, because I what I would like to see from this, and when if and when PlayStation do announce their Game Pass equivalent, is a different strategy. Because I feel at the beginning of this uh, generation, I did feel that this could be the first generation where everyone can quote unquote win mm-hmm. in different ways. I mean, Sony and Microsoft are the, the closest. Obviously, we'll, we're going to come on to Nintendo doing their own thing in the corner. <laughs> I love Tazzy's analogy of like uh, Nintendo playing uh, checkers on a chessboard while everyone else is playing chess on the same board <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so that is just brilliant. Um, but but yeah, I think Sony could take what they do in terms of like the the cross media films, TV with the game properties, and almost be like the MCU of video games and mm. just own that space. And while Microsoft do their thing, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see definitely there's um i was gonna say there's like the other side like here in europe the embracer group like if you guys have heard of them like just kind of popped in my head they're doing the same thing as sony and microsoft where they're kind of creating their own life in gaming where they've been picking up a lot of like middle like uh mid-sized studios and like uh very kind of solo like gaming experience kind of studios like 
they picked mm. up uh the guys behind uh, paradox the guys behind ck3 and all those like big kind of uh strategy games they own thq nordic and they i think it was january as well they picked up gearbox oh this is news to me but that's yeah, because microsoft has just like been taking over the news yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. That's so interesting. What, yeah, what's the so name? They're, Sorry, they're called the Embracer Group, and kind of like behind the that scenes. That sounds ominous. Been... I know, it but does. Like, <laughs> I, 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 we've I, just I, been I, there, like sneakily, like stealthily, <laughs> just like we're just gonna in the background pick these up. Suddenly, they're just gonna be like, "Hey, here we are." And yeah. um, you didn't realize we were here, but you know, underdog. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Tencent too. Tencent's doing the same thing, right? I mean, yeah. they're a yeah. little bit louder, but they're also like the 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 amount that Tencent's working in behind the scenes is scary. Like yeah. it's yeah, I feel it's like perfect. Tencent are always acquiring a lot, though. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's the way to do it, though, right? Not mm. make a big splash and just be like, bam. So, so <laughs> here, like, we yeah, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, like they really kind of went. This is our niche. And like a lot of these studios are like struggling. They kind of, they cater to niches and those niches might not always have a, the exposure like to that, to kind of get their niche out there, but Mm. as well to kind of make the best game for those people in those niches, like strategy games and RTSs have been like kind of falling to the wayside for like, um, like, like the end of the nineties to like the mid two thousands, they were kind of like falling off and they had a bit of a renaissance and like a lot of, it's kind of cropped up and the abrasive groups have been just picking them all up mm-hmm. it's terrifying but at the same time they're also giving niches an opportunity to flourish as well and like um as you were saying like matt earlier like about kind of the the danger to indies in this kind of um in this kind of aggressive like bubble making of like studios indies it, like ha- are having like a huge resurgence in kind of like the, how many different variations of indie games and like who they're catering for and what age ranges they're like uh, getting reported that's like, true there's... and the way for me and i've said it before what having game pass is great is that i'm like more i feel more able to spend money on like some random little indie game because i know i'm getting the latest releases in big games that would normally cost me like an arm and a leg mm-hmm. uh, on game pass mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, I've got this spare money that I can now divert towards other things, other things that I might normally overlook because I'm, you know, want to get the the big game that all my friends are getting or like I want to be want to be included in that. And also like something like Game Pass (laughs) where they do have indie games on there for a short time that you can try out and then buy after at a discount as well like mm. it just like, there's so many games i've discovered on there that i just wouldn't have given a chance because i've known nothing about them they don't have they might not have the um the budget to, to yeah yeah to market so you know if there's more opportunity for that like if sony jump on that as well and then add some of some indie games to that and start competing with with uh xbox and how many indie games they also include on game pass then it could potentially lift indie games up but also like because you have all these games on these services you're like oh i can just spend this money on this other random thing because i know i'm getting this big hitter that's a good yeah i think that's a fascinating point because you also have the conversation now like whenever there's a new game announced right it's like even like regardless if it's indie or triple a you have people saying it's like oh i'll wait until it's on game pass 
right? So it's mm. like it almost like it almost like de-incentivizes some people. Changes the behavior. To, exactly, right? Because how many people are like, oh, I don't have, uh, I don't have a PS5 yet, so I can't play Deathloop. But even if I do have one, I'll just wait till it's on Game Pass next year, right? Like it's that that conversation of like because I definitely have spent more money on indie since signing up for Game Pass, just because again, like there's more you know money available. But there's also games that I'm looking at. I'm like, this looks like a Game Pass game. This is going to yeah, be yeah, on yeah. that service in a couple months. <laughs> I'm not going to buy that game now. So like, I wonder like the relationship that games have with Game Pass because traditionally we have seen like I mean when Sea of Thieves came out, it launched day and day on Game Pass, and that game still was on like you know the top five for NPD for its sales for its opening month. So like, is this, I'm really, I'm just so curious. I'd love to see the data behind it. Like, you know, the relationship of being on Game Pass versus sales versus the money that they probably get from Microsoft for being on the service. Like, I just wonder how that conversation is going to continue to change as PlayStation enters the space. Because like you said, if now it's going to be like almost like a, you know, an indie war of being like, are you going to be on Game Pass or are you going to be on PlayStation service? Right? Because it's like, we see this all the time where like a game will leave Game Pass and then three days later, they're like, it's coming to PlayStation now. (laughs) <laughs> or vice versa right so it's it's i'm just so curious it's to see how it's gonna play out. video games right yeah. yeah yeah do you all game pass by the way do you hear- i don't okay i was just curious because I, I wonder how this conversation would go for people who don't have game pass do you know what i mean like a lot of people who don't have it just pick up the game because they want the game it doesn't matter if it's on game pass or not but i know that like a lot of people who like play games all the time like have it but people who are like more casual gamers like myself like don't see the point in getting it well the main reason i don't have it well i don't have an xbox but even though i know you can get on pc but um other than my i don't usually use my pc for gaming even though that's not true because i'm playing psychonauts uh, on the pc (laughs) uh the other thing is just because i'm just slow to play games like if i played more games I'd, i'd probably get it but i think eventually just through like what we do with gamepad and everything i'll eventually uh, uh get it but it yeah it is interesting yeah. to see like the, the value of it and it's definitely like different it's differently valuable to different people so like if you're a content creator like game pass is great <laughs> let's just put that straight up like it's amazing you get access to latest games straight away and you can stream them to your viewers or like record whatever if you're someone that plays uh, a lot of games or doesn't know how to pick a favorite <laughs> like me <laughs> it's it's great i get to jump between games about like before i drop so much money on games i play for like right. two hours and then i'm like oh next game like that's just who i am um and then also for like families game pass works really well because it means that like a parent that like doesn't know what games their kids like can just buy Game Pass and be like, here are all the games. I don't yeah, know. You figure it out. <laughs> and then like it's like multiple kids in the family and they all like different stuff. It's like, okay, you all just here's Xbox games, play, play them. I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> but then like like you said, for your players that just like they're more casual, don't play as many games, they can just buy the games outright and i never want it to get to a point where something's only available on like a gaming service like that would be the evil like i want it to be you can buy or you can like service it should yeah. always be the option. Well, right. Nintendo, Nintendo would disagree with you. We'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, in a second. Uh, actually, should we should we go on to Nintendo? Yes, let's yeah. go on to checkers players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see what the state of that. Um, so uh, I say that because I also want to get to what is maybe my favorite business quote of this whole kind of saga. So naturally, when you see uh, Microsoft make their 
make their acquisition. You see Sony uh, with their response. All eyes turn to Nintendo. And uh, this is the thing that social media is good for. There are so many memes of of just people (laughs) waiting for Nintendo to do something. But Nintendo being Nintendo, they are not interested in acquiring companies. And um, so I got this from uh, IGN article, which quotes the president, uh, Shuntaro Furukawa, who said, and like I said, this is probably my favorite quote. Our brand was built upon products crafted with dedication by our employees and having a large amount of people who don't possess Nintendo DNA in our group would not be a plus to the company. This is basically corporate speak of we don't give a damn. Why did you bring this to us? <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> leave us alone. Like they are not interested. Yeah, they're like, can we talk this? about how many switches we've sold? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear you over the sound of me counting the money from the yeah. switches, from the yes. five-year-old switches we're still selling. There's Scrooge McDuck in a giant. <laughs> People that own like multiple switches. Yeah. It's like someone in the corner going, Pokemon Go, but yeah. different features in your I mean, home and outside. Go. <laughs> I kind of like that because I feel like Nintendo is not all about the money. Of course they are about the money, but not to the point where they're trying to control or like buy a lot of other companies, right? They're, they still have like kind of their integrity of what they want to produce when they want to produce it and work with who they want to work with with Japan. And I think that's how they've always kind of been like because they started off as a a game company way way back when they were just doing like tabletop like cards and stuff so they've always company yeah they've always kind of like been within themselves and like i feel like they're like yo we make enough money to like live the lavish life in japan like we don't really care what's happening over in the u.s and 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 in the uk and that's kind of like the feeling that i've got i've always gotten from nintendo like nintendo's going to do what nintendo wants to do and people are going to buy it regardless because it's nintendo like they've already established their name you know like even if it's like a crap product coming from nintendo you're still going to get it usually because you're like no it's nintendo right so <laughs> that's I'm such a powerful brand I, I know they own me Nintendo dropped two Pokemon games in the space of a few months. Like, yeah, they both yeah. done really well. Like, <laughs> Nintendo is about making exactly that. They make the games, and they still make toys. Actually, let's be fair. And yeah. even their even their consoles are very toyish. Like, their their the thing that runs through them is is play, right? Mm. And like you said, they're not. It's not all about the money. It's, it's it's almost as if they put play at the forefront of their innovation rather than profit, yes. <laughs> and yeah, then figure out, and then figure out what is going to profit out of the play they've come up with. Um, <laughs> it's so interesting for me looking at Nintendo because they're just really they 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 really are of like two different minds at the same time. Like they do put a lot of value in like, you know, your Mario's, your Zelda's, your Pokemon's. They're kind of, you know, massive IPs that that them and only them can make and will make. But then they turn around and then like they have such dated business practices with like, you know, forcing like, you know, forcing scarcity and like the oh, oh, we have a new Amiibo coming, but there's only seven of them and you can only buy them on the dark web. (laughs) Right. Like they, (laughs) They just they do things in such a ridiculous way sometimes. And the thing is, it's like they get away and like one of the stories that we're going to talk about shortly like they get away with bloody murder like they can do whatever they want and it's like if another company does the same thing that they do 
they're met with like a ton of flack. So it's like, like Nintendo is just so weird because like they totally are about the profit. Like, I feel like there's like two people running Nintendo. One of them's like profit. One of the other one's like toys. And they, they're just kind of happily like make something together outside of that. It's just, it's so strange the how they operate. Business plan for a games company. Cause at the end of the day, yeah, they need to make, they're a company. They need to make a profit, but you're in the, like the area you're in is about fun so you kind of do need like those two heads of yeah, like I agree. Let's, let's play but let's make a profit and i think that's why they get away with bloody murder but i also think <laughs> like those they, are their babies you know what i mean like those are their babies like mario um zelda those are like that's what helped build them to where they are they don't want anybody else messing with them they don't want anybody else misrepresenting what they've created and i totally get that like and they deliver they they deliver every every time so and like even when they don't they they quickly correct (laughs) themselves unless it's about online they are terrible yeah i was gonna say (laughs) that seems to be the mistake that keeps on giving with nintendo (laughs) I, i was just gonna say i also think they have a mentality like if it's not broke why fix it like with oh, the, yeah. like we sure. only release seven amiibos yeah but they know people are going to buy them it's almost like they're trolling like they know <laughs> yeah. they can get away with it like um we'll just drop into and see how people fight over it that's and nintendo online is definitely broken though and they do need to fix that oh yeah so my, my question for that as we've spoken about Sony and Microsoft going to this sort of games as a service kind of thing, <laughs> Nintendo are not on that path. Or if they are, they're digging the tunnel where everyone's just taking the paved road. But um, it's <laughs> like so. Nintendo have only what, just realised that they can give, they can sell DLC. Like, yeah. <laughs> so do, do they need to do they need to do anything, or are they are they good? I think Nintendo's Nintendo just good. need to stay in that. Just need to do what they. They what do they best. want, yeah. Do what, what they, they do. want, yeah, because yeah. it we works. Need, like, I don't know. Need... Prime, that's what they need to do. <laughs> I feel like they've got stuff to improve on, but I don't feel like they need to be like rushing to improve on it just because Sony are doing that agree. and Microsoft are doing that. Like, it's really about um, like not not looking at what the competition is doing exactly. to figure out what you need to correct and actually correcting what is important to them first. And then what's important to us. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, they know what they're doing. They've That's given perfect. it, they deliver. <laughs> that, that, really is, that really is what it is. It's like they focus on what's important to them. And then, you know, they'll listen to consumers later. But I, I totally agree with everything you said. It's not hurting them. Like Nintendo's not hurting for money or content. So, <laughs> you know, there's no rush to do everything that everybody else has done. And Nintendo was the first to do what they did. Like most people, their first console was a Nintendo. Their first handheld was a Game Boy. Like they know what they're doing. Yes, sir. Like, yes. You know? Yeah, but then, my, like, my... sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, my one, my one, like, kind of prevailing thing with Nintendo, like, and it's always been it's can you make controllers for adult human hands? <laughs> <laughs> just once, please. I, I refer you to well. Mr. Furukawa's <laughs> statement and just say no. <laughs> that's, that's what third party prefers are for. Come yeah. on now. Like, a lot of Japanese people have smaller hands, so, like, they don't have, like, big hands, like, 
I was cursed with these mitts and I want to play Animal Crossing. <laughs> well, that, like, you just I don't have know. to adapt. Okay. You have to adapt to Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo doesn't adapt to you. <laughs> you need to just get your hands done, have a little bit shaved off of them. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. For me, Nintendo, I don't think Nintendo needs to be looking at anybody else for what they're doing, but I think they desperately need massive overhauls for a lot of their products. Like, they're like, we've already mentioned their online functionality is garbage like it's really bad <laughs> on top of but the fact that that like they're so sorry. I'm just gonna say but do you play pay for uh nintendo online yeah i have yeah. Like, i have <laughs> nintendo switch online and the expansion pack we're like we're so mad at you but here you go here's our money right like that's the thing like that, that's what exactly like you're you're mad and you're saying they need to do an overhaul but you're still paying for it and and that's the thing like nintendo they don't need to do anything because you're still going to pay for it lots of people are going to about it but they're still going to pay pay for it so you know yeah but i don't think i don't think that should be the standard i don't think that it should I be agree. like no, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, right I like agree. like the fact that like they how they drip feed out content when they have like the most history like historically impressive you know back catalog for a lot of their older systems and a lot of the older consoles but like there's no way to play any of them until yeah. they maybe drop it on online like because that's primarily why like we got Nintendo Switch online because we were living abroad and I you know wanted to play Smash with my friends back home and that was the only way to do that. And then when the expansion pack happened, it was like, okay, the Animal Crossing DLC is roped into that and now with the Mario Kart DLC also being part of that. Like I understand the value there, but like I do think that they desperately need to because again, like you guys mentioned, people will continue to pay for it. So they're going to keep doing whatever it is that they're doing. I just for me, it's getting harder and harder to justify this kind of stuff when you when you do look at what the competition is doing as a consumer. I agree. I agree, but I also but, highly yeah. disagree. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why. Because as gamers, we are so needy. And I actually like the fact that Nintendo take their time because, like, we get, and gaming is literally the only thing that I can think of that does this that gets like, shh super hyped around everything and it's like oh my god we need it like this instant gratification around gaming is not healthy for humanity <laughs> so this is why as much as nintendo like ah it's so frustrating um i feel like if everyone else everyone else should sort of slow down a bit like nintendo <laughs> because i don't i just don't think it's healthy for humanity like this this constant like feed because it's from like all the other companies it's like oh we need this now we need this now and then they get it and then they moan about it like constantly and i'm not saying like it's one individual but as a collective of gamers like this the, the community that we exist it's very in whiny. it's be, very, yeah. very very whiny yeah. and nintendo is like that parent that's like you know you get it when you get it yeah no like <laughs> I and I think it. that's healthy and I think that's healthy and as much as I will moan about it and complain we're all still gonna pay for it and yeah. they're delivering like in a way that you know not everyone else delivers like I like the fact that we don't get games stupidly broken from Nintendo Nintendo's <laughs> gonna do what Nintendo wants to do and that's just that's just the end of it and and I agree with you I think it's good that they're like not bowing down to consumers and like they're just doing what they feel they need to do for the betterment of their company and and their people cuz when we think about it we don't know how much work that's going to take for them to like fix whatever we want to get fixed and how much time that's going to take and 
I think right now that's just not their goal. That's just not really important to them. Maybe in the future it might be, but um, I think people will con- continue to pay for it because Nintendo is a great product. They do put out great things. And so that's who you want to support in the end. So they yeah. give us, they give us a lot. They also take away. So yeah, <laughs> take away. recent you. So this doesn't, uh, this doesn't actually impact me. So I didn't necessarily have any strong feelings about it specifically, but there was a wider question I want to ask. But so Nintendo are closing their 3DS and Wii U shops in 2023. So I don't know, Matt, I feel like you would have strong feelings about this. Yeah. I mean, I think. For me, I I don't really have a huge problem with this. Like, it does worry me from like a game preservation standpoint, just because like you know, like being able to play these games. Like, like like I said, if like we was already mentioned before, talking about digital for physical. If you have the physical copy, then you, you know you're good to go. But a lot of people do primarily have or have primarily moved over to digital as their kind of buying space. So like in terms of like a you know game preservation standpoint, and that's why part of like the whole Nintendo Switch Online thing. Like, if these games were readily accessible for people to kind of, you know, jump back in and play when they want to, then I think that would be fine. But I mean, like, I mean, we saw PlayStation do this last year with the, what was it, the PS3 and the Vita. And like yeah. they were met with like so much backlash that I haven't seen the same being thrown at Nintendo for the same move, right? Like, I think like this kind, like they're not going to keep these servers up running in perpetuity if they're not making their money off of it. And that's not, that's Nintendo, that's PlayStation, that's anyone, right? Like they're not going to continue to support a you know, something that like maybe seven people buy a game on every yeah. year nowadays, like who's still buying new games or who's still, you know, on a Wii U, right? So like my issue is just coming from like a game preservation standpoint, like letting people like, have access to these games. But yeah, that, that's why I think it's I think it's interesting. And I'm glad that they're giving people this much time to figure it out. So like if you really are a, like a diehard 3DS or a Wii U fan, you have time to figure things out to be able to purchase whatever games you're looking for. And like the, this thing, this was always going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think, no, I think you're right. Like the game preservation is so important and especially from Nintendo where like <laughs> they're so harsh on people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like anything, like if anyone uses their um, their IPs um, and the fact that, you know, they are really slow on like giving us, we all want all the games on the Switch. Like everyone <laughs> wants them. There is no doubt. Just give them to us. But as well, like I wonder how many people actually really used the online stores but i'm not sure about the Wii yeah, yeah. and nintendo 3ds originally anyway because they were terrible and it wasn't the time like we were still new to like digital that was still very early on in like mm-hmm. oh have games digitally so i feel like it is obviously it's always sad but, but it's not like right, a though. massive loss I think you're right. Like most people, and they'll know because they'll like these companies. They'll have their 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 spreadsheet. They'll see how many people actually use the the system, how much right. that's worth, mm-hmm. how much it's costing them to maintain it, and then at some point they make the decision: this is costing us more than it's worth, yeah. and yeah. they'll just do that. So, but it is a it is a shame in a in a wider sense because what it does say, like Matt touched on, is that you know we're as we go into more of these games as a service, we're entering a space where we don't own these things mm. and they can be taken away. Yeah. And I think I think the biggest loss for the eShop discontinuation is Pokemon Bank. <laughs> and I think that's the one that like people would be mad about because yeah. I don't know how it works, but <laughs> that's... I think just from nostalgic reasons, it's sad to see 
to see it go right because some of these games are like games that like you kind of grew up playing and things like that and not being able to just go back and play them just you know just a dewind I think that's what makes me really sad when they decide to shut down these shops because there's really no other way to get the games I think the fear is I think for me is like not that generation in particular because I feel I feel like it's really easy to get maybe not Wii U games but definitely 3DS games here at least uh really easy like go to any second hand game store yeah and there's tons of them always they're really easy to pick up but um I think one of the the things that this points out is like the next generation is it going to shut down or of or are they creating ways that you know like um Xbox where we've got all the backwards compatibility and access to those older services anyway like are we moving into a world where it's not going to shut down because it's just always going to be accessible if these businesses are in in business still (laughs) but like at what point yeah at what point does like where's the risk um because imagine like having a massive digital library exactly and then like yeah. steam just imagine if steam shut yeah. down tomorrow okay, how much much like especially steam. So much. yeah i know everyone's like steam libraries are ridiculously big <laughs> <laughs> like what are you gonna do download them quickly before the store shuts and like just store them on a hard drive like what's gonna happen you know i know they said that they're not planning to offer content but do you guys generally think that they're not planning to maybe like years in the future either integrate it into either the expansion pack or i don't know release some sort of classic console or whatever it is that nintendo do i feel like it goes back to that, that scarcity point scarcity that. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think oh no 100 percent. Right. they will you mentioned cartridges being readily available but they're not cheap like no they're yeah <laughs> compared to other consoles or old really? games they, they they don't depreciate depending on the game it depends it depends yeah, depending yeah. on the game they get like expensive i think Nintendo's going to do something like disney does where they like release their movies for a, a little bit and then put stuff back in the vault i really yeah. think that's yeah, how yeah. they're going to do it and i mean like it's smart but also it just it hurts my little heart so that's how yeah. it's going to be <laughs> have you guys heard about um blue maximus flashpoint no this is strange i think so. Go on, go, please tell, but tell everyone and the viewers, the viewers and listeners. It's a really, really cool project. This this guy, when like Flash was basically uh, be- become redundant, he made a catalog of Flash games and like online games and he's kept them like kind of going in perpetuity so you can still play like new ground games and armor games and all those kind of ones that you grew up with essentially like you know back in the day like flat like uh browser based like flash games they all still are alive and in the library because this guy was like i can't i can't allow this all to die with flash Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure there's oh my god this is so bad because i don't remember it exactly there's some law that allows games to be preserved yes got nintendo ones all games <laughs> in existence like i don't know it's like some uh, what is it but oh. basically yeah there, there is there's something that means that like basically getting around copyright kind of thing to it so it becomes a public like, service yeah almost. once it's historically like there's a point it's the right. same with like music once it reaches a certain point it's like yeah because it's also a, it's a historic thing right? yeah so yeah 
Okay. So it can be like put in a museum or whatever, like, but yeah. they've updated it so it works digitally as well. But I can't remember it specifically. So it's yeah, very we'll, rough. We'll I'm pretty down, sure cause... there is a thing. There's a thing. All right. Well, I mean, well, yeah, we'll we'll keep buying Nintendo games anyway. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so but we have looked at the the main three. We do have a few other stories. I don't know if other stories we've got left. If things jump out to people, I do. I did want to mention. I did want to mention this when we did our gamepad report that E three sort of dying a, a slow public death. It's a shame because I've never been to E three. But we've also got the the Netflix announcement of a Bioshock film, which I know we haven't f- tracked it down yet, but I feel we did an episode of the podcast talking about video game adaptations. And in our like blue sky thinking, I feel like we mentioned um, Bioshock. Not to yes. say that we gave people the idea and we should get some kind of cut. Not saying no, that. No, we should get some cut. <laughs> <laughs> at least a sponsorship since yeah, we already did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it is it is happening because uh netflix has announced it will be partnering with 2k and take two for a live action adaptation of bioshock and i feel because sometimes i'm a bit wary of sort of game adaptations but one netflix have been doing a pretty decent job of it and two bioshock seems like i don't know how you all feel about bioshock seems like the a game that could actually add value as a as a film mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah oh yeah i think it would do so it's got so it's got such a rich world that lends itself so nicely to like on screen oh just and because you don't have to follow a story that's been told and it would still be like amazing and it's going to be like this creepy spooky <laughs> is it going to be horror a movie or a series that netflix is producing movie a movie okay yeah. okay hopefully that also like triggers a spin-off series because i think so it would do that. really well as a series yeah i think it's funny that they're they're doing a, a, sh- a show or a film because i'm sure i read somewhere that bioshock 4 is is not in a good condition i'm pretty sure i looked at that today. oh it's it, it's struggling like it, yeah apparently uh, in what not, sense they're like losing writers and and like someone in the development team as well as i remember a correctly of, a lot of people are leaving Maybe this is to bring in some extra money to hire new people. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I hadn't heard that, but no. that, yeah, that would be a shame because I mean, Bioshock is such a is such a good game, such a good series of games. Yeah, um, it'll be a shame if the the next one to come doesn't meet that standard. But then it, I hope that the the movie fills that void. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's just such a rich environment. Oh, like. So it would look so good on screen and there's so much I can do with it. I'm just really praying that it goes well because. Mm. Yeah, <sighs> I'm very interested to see this. I'm I'm actually, because I don't usually try not to have expectations of video game adapt- adaptions, although that's kind of changing because they are uh, getting They're better. They're getting but better. Yeah, yeah, a lot better. Yeah. And to be fair, Arcane is arguably one of the best animation series uh, ever. And yeah. that is based on a video game, which I've not even. I still haven't gotten past episode two. Has anyone watched the Dota series? I'm sorry. I know. (laughs) Everybody's like, but listen, everybody's like, after episode two, it gets really good. Because like, I felt like in the first two, I was just like, I could take it or leave it. 
It's That's so I'm annoying when people it. say that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Like, <laughs> I would say, I so I I enjoyed it from the beginning, but the reason why I started watching it because I have no interest in League of Legends. Like, I know it exists. And that's it. Um, so I wasn't <laughs> going to watch it until I heard someone talk about it on a different podcast. And the the person mentioned episode three, and the way he was talking about it, I was like, hmm, it can't be can't be that good. Where suddenly <laughs> just it just changes. So I just thought, let me watch it almost to prove him wrong, um, not as, if, as if I know him. But, um, so that's I, so I started, watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bit, uh, let me. I'll be honest. It was it was a bit of that. So I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is good. I I, I like this. The production quality is great. I'm liking the story. And then episode three, and I was like, mm. oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You're, I guess you're right. I'll I'll check it out. I get hung up over really dumb things um, <laughs> right. in shows. Like if you listen to our podcast, I was stuck on the bologna sandwiches in like the first episode for a really <laughs> mm-hmm. long time because it just didn't make sense. <laughs> like, nobody uses okay. nobody uses bologna sandwiches as paperweights. That's weird. Okay, moving to on. you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nobody does that. Okay, moving on. Did it's interesting with League of Legends coming out with a, a TV series as well, because of course they also have a a band. <laughs> oh yeah, that is true. The girl band, right? Yeah, which I, so I love. KDA. That was so popular when they had their because Matt. Wait, wait, no, Matt was there. Matt, were you in South Korea when they did the big uh, competition? I don't think I was there yet. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that was. They were all over the place in South Korea. Yeah, which is why I actually kind of want to watch Arcane because I don't care for League of Legends, but I really love KDA. And sometimes I feel like a bit of a fraud. <laughs> it's not Sorry. the same at all from what I've seen. I'm here, but like, you should check it out though. I will too at some point. I'm here like, oh, I love <laughs> I love KDA. This is bad made of a video game. I love video games, but just not this one. Maybe more video games should have bands. Yeah, it was a bop though. Like that song was so good. Like, have you heard any of their other songs? There's more. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's actually a song called More. Like, it's not. I'm oh, not saying there's more. There's a oh. song called More. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a real dishonored feel to that show that instantly made me go, "I want a dishonored series, like an animated <gasps> dishonored series. That would be so good." That'd I've so not really played much Dishonored, but but also yes, I can totally see that. <laughs> I, there's like video games. There's so there's so much in there to to make use of in a good way. And I feel they're we so are rich. in a place where yeah. it is getting better in terms of the adaptation. But Arcane is just is just outstanding. Yeah. and I yeah. think as well before like adaptations were like oh, we're going to half-heartedly go into this because like, people don't really like video games. But now they're like, yeah. oh, wait, video games really, really oh, think, yeah. We need to actually people commit to making a show, yeah, yeah. like we're if watching. we're going to make something, yeah. God, <laughs> so, I think the first ones were like Mortal Kombat. That was a movie. That oh, came yeah. Out, and then like... Mm-hmm. I didn't say it was bad. I was just thinking of <laughs> movies that came out. <laughs> Based on games. Calm down. <laughs> no, I love okay. Mortal Kombat. It's a bop. Anytime you hear that song, people get hyped. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I love how defensive like, people can go. <laughs> <laughs> I only get defensive about bad movies. 
yeah. <laughs> is is arcane how how i don't know anything about league of legends you don't is need to a, try, is, try i cannot stress how little i know uh, about oh, no, league I've of watched, legends i've watched a good portion of the show it's really good i was gonna ask how related to it how related it is to like any plot of the game is there a plot oh i do game? not care but because that's a good question I, just, oh, I do not care <laughs> <laughs> i've heard i've heard that it doesn't follow like i heard that it's not that tied in it doesn't really follow characters that are like oh really okay i don't the focus in the story games. of those characters it's not it's but it's not like the main focus popular okay. characters like yeah that's what okay. i've heard i don't know i'm just saying i'm just regurgitating what i've heard from people that play league of legends and have watched arcane so okay. <laughs> don't quote me on it no no i heard the same thing like they didn't take their most popular characters but those are characters in their universe and that's kind of like their background uh, yeah okay. they're like ones they don't really touch on yeah, I was, yeah. um i was only asking because i feel like sometimes that is what makes a kind of uh, a video game adaption like like to a film or show good you know we were talking about bioshock and obviously we know kind of like a big plot twist in the game and i feel mm. like a big part of that plot twist involves playing the game if that makes mm, sense yeah, mm. yeah um and i'm not quite sure how that would translate into like That's a, a film point. and and by extension i feel like sometimes that is a big issue of like there's a big part of game stories that like playing it it is a thing that once you're just sitting there watching it, it's a kind of yeah. And I think isn't it really? I think that's where like some adaptations go wrong. They try and like replicate the experience of playing when really they need to fill the gaps that playing doesn't doesn't get. You yeah. know, like the things that you're too busy actually, you know, like yeah. defending yourself against some evil creature <laughs> or like those bits that you you'd miss from playing a game like they need to fill the gaps rather than trying to replicate the you can't replicate the experience yeah. of being the character Sometimes like that's impossible faithful. yeah you need to you need to go outside the realms maybe yeah. tell stories that you're not focused on or like arcane done like focus on characters yeah. like stories of characters that don't really get as much light shined on them because then you have like more creative license because then you're not like it's really frustrating if you've played a game. You're like, that's not how I play the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Persona 5. I don't know if anyone played that. <laughs> oh, that's uh, Matt. I don't know. Matt loves Persona oh, yeah. 5. I love the game, but anime, I was just like, oh, I'm not <laughs> Well, you're like, these are not the characters that I love. How dare yes. you treat my character like that? Like, like, yeah. it, it, Anyone's got their own version. Yeah. So, sorry, what anime? We don't talk about any Persona 5. <laughs> anime. There we go. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's okay. not my joker. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's. Uh, I want to uh, actually. I want to end on. A, I wanted to end on a positive story for video games. And going back to Horizon Forbidden West, which the story came out that it was delayed in part to avoid crunch. So crunch being uh, a thing that's you know always comes up in terms of video game development, and for the most part in a negative way. But I thought this was a a positive kind of um, example to, that others can follow where a AAA game was purposely delayed in order to allow the people working on it to have a better work-life balance. So I think the director, Tyus de Jong, I wouldn't pronounce that right, uh, said that, among other things, he said, we are very aware 
of the disadvantages of crunching. So we take that into account a lot in our planning. To give an example, at Christmas, we said that there would be no work and that everyone could just have a two-week vacation. The company was closed. You couldn't even go there to work. And he mentioned some other things. So we'll put um, sort of links to stories referenced in the show notes. But yeah, that's just like a a positive uh, example of like adapting the game development process so that you don't have people sort of working mandatory overtime for extended periods of time and i think i think the pandemic has helped with this but just a, an understanding that like one there are human beings <laughs> making all these games uh human beings with like lives and families and 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 all that and just uh, uh an acceptance of games being delayed so we've just seen a whole bunch of delays uh, we're going to see more and I think people are hopefully getting to the point where if it takes longer so that people can work in better conditions, then cool. There are enough games to to play. Yay, delay games, avoid crunch. I'm waiting yeah, for this. Also, when you great. delay a game, it's like, oh, we actually get a chance to play our backlog. Exactly. <laughs> true, that's true. There's always other games to play. Also, yeah. I... I think it's really like we've talked about it a lot, just like crunch and, and and that kind of grind mentality that like happens in like first world countries like the US, the UK. And and I love that, like going into this, that like developers are really taking the time to be like, you deserve the time off. And I would rather wait for an amazing game to come out than to push people to get a broken game for example cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> was so broken. and. I felt so bad for the developers because people were just like talking so bad about them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But like, had they had the time and they were treated respectfully and they, they had just pushed the game, like it, it would have come out. It, the game was going to come out regardless. There's no need to like push, right? Like, cause they're, mm. they're dealing with things we can't even see. Like we're not in the office with them. So I hope that going forward, all companies kind of like adopt this because just, common courtesy and just being like good to your fellow man and your creators like we need to respect artists period and i just don't think mm -hmm. there's enough respect for artists in general so yeah, yeah. and i love that cyberpunk 2077 has become like the standard of broken it really game has. <laughs> <laughs> it really is it's like here we are measuring uh, how broken a game is uh <laughs> Where does it fall on the scale? Yeah. <laughs> the funniest yeah. part is Bethesda is just like wiping their brow, like <gasps> yeah, looking <laughs> left and right. <laughs> yeah, I just hope that this becomes more of the norm. Like, I love that we're getting more of these stories actually being talked about, right? Like, I mean, like there was word going around back about like Insomniac as well and how much they worked to avoid crunch around Spider-Man and Ratchet and Clank, uh, and like you know stories about new new studios being formed with you know like. Uh, you know, employees health being one of the biggest mandates. And at the same time, I like the studio that behind all the Lego games, I just blanked out on their name. TT Studios, I think. Yeah, I think it's TT Studios. I might be wrong. I'll fact check myself after. But like there was just a massive yeah, story that came out talking about how, you know, how awful they are with crunch. So I kind of feel like the more of these positive stories we get alongside the negative ones to kind of be like, look, there are companies doing it right being successful and you don't have to sacrifice the well-being of your workers to do it like I, I just hope that this kind of comes becomes more and more of the standard rather than being like look at this exception to the rule like, yeah like, absolutely. Also, absolutely play and buy games that avoid crunch mm. that will help <laughs> mm -hmm. somewhat you know the poor the ones that are doing the good They're doing well so yeah and then highlight those stories when they do uh do come up so um yeah um so that has been our 
video game roundtable uh, as always uh, if you're listening uh, i want to give us some feedback you can do that if you want to let us know uh, some stories we can consider in future let us know you can jump in our discord or email us at feedback at my matter.com uh, so before we wrap for this episode i want to make sure we check in with all our guests and what they are up to So I and our listeners would love to hear more about what what each group does and any projects coming up. So we will start with Burnout Brighter. Uh, So tell us a little bit more about who you are and um, where we can find you and what what you've got coming up. This is Matt's favorite part. So (laughs) I'm going to let him tell you where you can find us. And then I can tell talk about like what we're working towards. Yeah, you can find us over at youtube.com slash burnout brighter or on any podcast feed that you can find your podcasts on. Um, I'm on Twitter at burnout underscore Matt. Destiny's at DNBC32 or at burnout underscore pod. We're, we just we talk video games. We talk mental health. We talk social justice. Uh, along with doing reviews and a bunch of full other cool stuff. And we have multiple miniseries going on right now. Passing to Destiny. Hey, hey, catching it. So <laughs> what we're doing right now is we have a, uh, a series, a very special one about mental health. It's called Mental Health Power Up, and it's basically talking about how gaming um, is being used to actually help people with their, their mental illnesses, whether that be depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts. We've had some amazing people come onto our show. Everyone who's been on our show has been a professional. I don't mean just like by the way they speak, but I mean like they're actually working in the the industry so we've had doctors we've had therapists counselors come on so if any of your listeners ever want to maybe find out some more resources if they're ever struggling with anything um, please go check out that series we're also doing a black history month series for the u.s and canada because we celebrate it in the month of february we teamed up with level one gaming they're amazing they're like our big brother um (laughs) in in terms of like podcast um And we're actually going to start creating some content for them, which is going to be a a new show where we kind of go behind the scenes and talk to developers and content creators, but in a very relaxed kind of situation where we'll be talking about silly things and just kind of have fun. And that is what we are working on right now. Matt, did I miss anything? No, you're good. Okay, perfect. So yeah. There's some really great projects. I'll definitely be checking out that. Um, series on that mini series on mental health uh that sounds amazing yeah oh that's so good and we'll put information in the show notes as well in case you missed it um so nerd alternative what about you guys the virtual or should i well our designated um socials plugger isn't here so uh, that's on you <laughs> <laughs> okay let me see I'm if i uh, let me see. someone <laughs> let me else see will have to pick the up the Okay, so you can find us at The Nerd Alternative without the E on Twitter. You can find us at The Nerd Alternative on Instagram, Reddit, YouTube with the E. We are a podcast, as you can tell by our by my love of my own voice. We are, we've been on a break, but we are currently just about to come back. So you will see some amazing new content from me, Levi, and our third mystery, uh, mystery host, Ram. We cover everything, really. We spread ourselves thin. Games, <laughs> comics, manga, anime, television shows, films, both, I guess, shallow pop culture conversation. And sometimes we like to do deep dive into things, you know. 
Nice. Love that. I definitely think some of our listeners would be interested, so make sure you go and check them out as well. Yeah, so thank you to both groups uh, for joining us for this roundtable. I always love to hear like uh, new people and their opinions on gaming and the news stories and the many, many billions that are floating around. So thank you all for, <laughs> uh, for coming and joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. This was great. Oh, I appreciate it. And uh, if uh, yeah, people listening also enjoyed the episode, uh, make sure you subscribe to Story X Story so you don't miss a future episode. And you can also go back and listen to all the past episodes because, you know, you can travel through time like that. Um, you can also give us a rating and review wherever they let you rate and review podcasts. This helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions uh, and just word of mouth, share a link, uh, that kind of thing. It all helps. Um, so we're talking video games today, but... Um, we make manga and our latest manga series through the fog is out now you can check that out along with our other titles at the my matter website so you just go to mymatter.com forward slash manga and you can also join our discord and consider becoming a studio 77 member for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the my matter universe and our next gamepad online event is on april the 9th so we're gonna be live on twitch games interviews a panel i'm pretty sure we'll be doing a panel so check that out at gamepad.events and stay tuned for more podcast episodes we release episodes every thursday they include creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture because we also like to spread ourselves thin. Uh, you can also uh, give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So that's been us. Until next time, stay safe and remember Nintendo does not care about what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everyone. <laughs>